It's season six of the Oroch Digital How to Make a Video Game Podcast. In this episode, we're talking international collaboration. Exciting thing is, you know, the fact that we're going back to the moon, but uh, beyond the moon in terms of our onward exploration efforts to Mars. A, a natural curiosity, a natural instinct to push the boundaries of our knowledge to understand, um, you know, what's out there. Um, but for me, it's also, you know, what really attracted me to space was the fact that space offers this fantastically powerful vantage point for us to understand our own planet Earth. Digital podcast, how to make a video game. Welcome back. It's another one. Um, Thomas, hi. Hello. How are you, Matt? Hello. Good, good. I've got a thought. Like, mm. um, in the 60s, we went to the moon and we left a footprint there. Yeah. And just imagine when we do go back to the moon, um, with all the capabilities that we have now in terms of streaming and being able to capture photo and whatnot instantly. Like, we're going to see new imagery of that footprint. I find that staggering. It's, it's like the kind of legacy sequels we get of films today. It's like revisiting something 30, 40 years after it first happened. Seeing yeah. that again just kind of baffles my mind. The HD remake. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's almost like we know the pictures, we've seen all the footage, but to actually see something new of it, it's like, oh my God, oh yeah, that is still there. After all this time, you know, it's bonkers. I, I think a lot of the space footage, it, it's really fascinating how it makes you feel like, I think the first time I saw the footage of the two um, SpaceX reusable rockets landing, it's a really famous bit of footage of the two rockets landing almost in sync. And it absolutely feels like I'm watching a science fiction film. You know, I've seen that imagery of spaceship landing loads, but it's all been fake. It's all, mm. you know, CGI or you know uh, earlier than that thunderbirds you know so models so the imagery is is i'm used to but the, the context is new and i think it will be similar to that like you say we'll kind of have that sense that we've seen this before but at the same time we won't have and that mm. will be really interesting kind of feeling to see it it's going to be just tenfold when i say if and when uh, that happens on on the surface of mars as well when those rockets when that lander actually comes down and we get boots on the dusty surface of Mars, like, oh, that day is just going to, I literally can't, I can't digest how that might feel that day when that happens. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, I spoke to my mum about the moon landing because she remembers it. Um, and, you know, that sense of awe and wonder of that, you know, that that's what I think will create, because obviously there'll, there'll be, there'll be some people I hope around who saw both and they'll be able to kind of compare that feeling. Um, but obviously, you know, for our generation and other generations, you know, both before and after us who didn't see the moon landing, this will be their equivalent of that, you know, that seismic event in the step forward of, of humanity. But I, I think, you know, we talked a lot, lot about this in the development cycle of Mars Horizon. I think the fact that we're going to another planet is also significant in that it does represent that first step towards becoming a multi-planetary species. And I know, you know, mm. technically the moon's a planet, you can kind of argue that, but I think us starting to reach our footprint as a species out from the immediate vicinity where we are, I think the significance of that in the development of our species can't be understated. Absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's, it's just something that 
many people just will, 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 will struggle to get their brains around that. I remember I asked my mum a similar question um, and she famously said to me, well, uh, about the moon landing rather, she famously said to me, well, she wasn't that bothered when it happened. I mean, she was only about, I don't know, 15 or something at the time. But I'm just like, what? How could you not be bothered about that? Like, it's this huge seismic thing. But anyway, um, so with that said, we've got uh, another guest on the pod today, Dr. Alice Bunn, uh, the International Director of the UK Space Agency. Um, I think we should just go straight to it because she, she is such a, such a bundle of energy and she has so much to say about what she does and about the international yeah. collaboration between nations and whatnot. It's a really, really great chat. Although we should say, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the day of launch, then Mars Horizon will be launching tomorrow. So please mm. go to aurochdigital.com, get the details to grab it. If you're listening to this after, the game is out, super exciting. Still go to aurochdigital.com and you can find all the details out and we'll, we'll pop some links in the show notes as ever. Um, but yeah, let, let's, let's go to the interview. So, Jem, um, I, I swear, I swear, I swear, the, the, the more we raise this bar, in fact, the, the bar is just a dot to me now. I can't see the bar because it's been raised every single time that we have a new guest on the pod. Um, I'm going to leave it to you to introduce Dr. Alice Bunn, who is yeah. this lady, and the, the work that she, that she does is, is going to blow our minds today. Yeah, so we're joined today by Dr. Alice Bunn. Um, she's the International Director at the UK Space Agency. And um, Alice, would you like to, to explain what your role entails? Yeah, love to. Um, so I'm the international director. What does that mean? So in practice, that means that I'm responsible for all of our international partnerships in space, be they kind of through big multilaterals like European Space Agency, be they more on a kind of country to country bilateral basis. Uh, and I'm also responsible for our space security acti activities. Um, so why would we have space security activities? Well, little known fact, uh, everyday life is absolutely dependent on the kind of data and services that we get from space. So it's really important that we um, make sure that those space services can continue and and space is designated as part of critical national infrastructure. And very often we get assurance around those services by working with international partners. That's awesome. And then, um, so we've got you here today to sort of talk about, obviously, Mars Horizon, our game. You run your own space agency. You do sort of all the jobs in our game. Um, but yeah, sort of looking at how that compares to your real life experience of, of things. So first of all, what is your favourite thing about working for a space agency? my favorite thing about working from a space agency um is and it's really handy because i am the international director is <laughs> all of the international to partnerships i never dreamed about um crosses cultural divides um one thing you think about space is actually no one owns space um you know it's a global commons everyone has to share that operating environment so it really really engenders a lot of international cooperation and i find that really inspiring that's really exciting um and Part of that, why do you think there's such a, a fascination? You know, we're making a game about space. So I'm fascinated by space and so many other of our players and our team are fascinated by space. Why do, why do you think it holds such a kind of sway over people's imaginations? 
Yeah, it's amazing because it really does, right? <laughs> you look at, you know, all sorts of media and space is always right up there. Um, I think, you know, part of it is the mystery of space, right? Part of it is, you know, a, a natural curiosity, a natural instinct to push the boundaries of our knowledge to understand, um, you know, what's out there. Um, but for me, it's also, you know, what really attracted me to space was the fact that space offers this fantastically powerful vantage point for us to understand our own planet Earth. You know, you get that perspective from space that is just um, not reproducible in any single way. You know, very often we heard the tail end of the Apollo missions and uh, those astronauts talked about looking back on the blue dot and, you know, realising that all of those, um, you know, difficulties and challenges that we have on the ground really don't matter. It gives you this incredible perspective. So I think that is a really, really inspiring and exciting part of space too. Mm -hmm. And so what do you what sort of future stuff? Because obviously we're we guessing you get a kind of insight into what's coming down the line that obviously people outside of the space agency don't get. And, you know, we're, we're in our game. There's a lot of, you know, near future stuff that we've kind of put in in doing research. What near future stuff can you see coming down the line in terms of space and space exploration? That That's really exciting you. <laughs> that's like asking me to share all my secrets isn't it um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll rephrase the question then share all your secrets please <laughs> i think um so definitely in the exploration one of the really really exciting thing is um you know the fact that we're going back to the moon but the moon is really a staging post for what we want to do uh, beyond the moon in terms of our onward exploration efforts to mars um often get the question about you know why are we going back to moon and uh the analogy i give is yes we've been to the moon but actually we've only really ever been to around about the same area on the moon so there's lots and lots and lots we don't know about the moon the analogy is it would be like someone coming to earth landing on the Sahara Desert, looking around and thinking, oh, okay, I've got this. I know what the Earth's like. Um, it's just not like that. Okay, so every part of the moon is going to be different too. So that is really fascinating to go back and do that proper understanding and exploration of the moon and in doing so we also hope that we're going to be able to um, mine for resources from the moon when i say resources i mean things like either from moon rock or from frozen water to be able to recover oxygen to be able to support those onward exploration efforts as well um, People kind of draw the analogy, it's like, you know, harvesting from the land. We're going to be able to support our exploration efforts with exploration efforts already to the moon. So that is really fascinating. That really is. So I think, and then the other side of the coin is all the really exciting space developments that are going to enable improvements for uh, our lives down on Earth. So the tremendous power of space for understanding our own planet. So the fact that over 50% of the measurements that we need to take to even understand our changing climate can only be measured from space is a, a, a phenomenal statistic, I think. And through those measurements, through that increased understanding, we hope to be able to support um, you know, the better management of our own planet through to some of the tremendous communications capability um, that is enabled from space. You know, society today, right? Right? We want to be, you know, always connected all the time, everywhere. So some of these kind of societal um, innovations as well will be um, uh, fully enabled from space. And um, so going back to like the uh, your job title, the international part of that. So in our game, um, in Mars Horizon, certain events give you the opportunity to share research, so, um, 
research payloads and technology with other agencies um, for the improvement of diplomatic relations um, or simply funds and stuff like that. So is this something that happens in reality? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, um, you know, and it has throughout history, actually. So little known fact, if you think 40, 50 years ago or so, there was really only those two big states um, uh, in space. So there was, you know, the US and Russia competing to get to the moon. It was only shortly after that, but right in the thick of the Cold War, um, that those same two countries, together with Europe, together with Japan, um, together with China, in fact, came together to um, put in place what was to come, the kind of backbone, the framework, if you like, of the world's first global meteorology system. So, I mean, quite incredible, actually. What is meteorology? You know, it's it's surveillance of the Earth. So it's quite a sensitive capability. But yet, even at the height of the Cold War, you know, all those countries recognised that you know, understanding our global weather patterns is a global good. It's of, you know, it's all of our interest. And it made sense to come together in that partnership. And there's been some, um, the global uh, weather monitoring has had some really big impacts, hasn't it? And some of the like crisis that have happened over the years. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, another really inspiring area of um, international cooperation in space is the way in which countries share data from space to help with the immediate aftermath of um, emergencies. So not necessarily that long term weather forecasting capability, but that capability to very quickly provide um, imagery in the aftermath of, you know, a tsunami, a hurricane, a, a, a natural event which will have caused some kind of widespread uh, damage which won't be easily recordable or, you know, navigable on the Earth, but which you can see really, really clearly from space. Um, so space agencies uh, sign something called the Charter, uh, which exactly signs up to that, exactly signs up to sharing their data immediately to any country around the world that's in need of that, um, uh, you know, enhanced situational awareness. So in so in our game, um, you know, the, the kind of Mars Horizon, the, the, the objective is to get a crewed mission to Mars and, and, and get the people back. Um, and you can a attempt that endeavour as a, a collaboration with another space agency. Do you think in reality, when we really do get you know, people to Mars and back, that is going to be a collaboration given the, the size and scope of it? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it has to be. And I think, again, there's some really powerful precedents for collaboration in space. So International Space Station being the most visible, that's had over 100 countries um, involved in it to some extent or other, you know, either directly in the build or benefiting from carrying out experiments in that microgravity environment. You know, even China's been involved in that programme. So again, you know, it's what I really love about space. It really does have that capability to transcend um, some of the diplomatic difficulties we might have back on Earth, should we say. Something I've always wondered with the um, ISS, as we just talked about it. So would the astronauts meet each other before they go up there, or would they sometimes meet for the first time on the space station? Oh, do you know what? I can't hand on heart categorically. <laughs> yeah. I, think both. I think it's probably both. I think it's probably surprising that they would, you know, unusual that they would meet for the first time. I can't yeah. say that's never happened. Yeah, um, I was just wondering about that. Yeah, because I assume a lot of the training would happen and they meet each other throughout the past of their careers. But I was like, I wonder if anyone's met up there. I'm like, oh, that'd be a cool meet. I mean, like meeting story. Yeah. <laughs> 
what I would say is, um, you know, having met some astronauts, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, right? Because you've got all this in, like, intense, intense, intense training. And that's obviously really important. And the, the kind of physical fitness that they have to achieve and the technical capability that they have to um, have. But what really, really strikes you is they're all just like really nice people. <laughs> I guess you'd need to be to spend so long in such a tiny space with people, wouldn't you? I have never met an astronaut who's a plonker. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't work. It just really wouldn't work in that close environment. So it's a really, it's a really profound characteristic that you notice. You know, yeah, just general niceness and humility. <laughs> I wonder if that's a tagline we can use. I've never met an astronaut who's a bonker. <laughs> so, um, so, so on that subject, sort of, uh, you know, collaboration, you know, again, in our game with, with other agencies, there's, there's a degree of where you can share research, like payload technology, uh, and, and that kind of creates a loop where, you know, you it improves the relations between the agencies and you you kind of get some benefits by doing that again are we getting that right is that is would you say that's an accurate reflection of the sharing of uh, or, or not in reality i think i think it is and i think it's particularly the case where we are talking about you know really extending the boundaries of human knowledge um really doing those um you know great strides in exploration which are about discovery and about survival i think where it gets more contentious is where you're talking about um you, you know when you're potentially talking about developing something where you could be competing with each other and there's you know financial gain to be had from being first to market much like in any, any other the sector right mm -hmm. um, but i think whilst you're whilst you're really focused on that furthering of humankind's knowledge um you do absolutely see a lot of collaboration and um, so something else we've got in the game in relation to this um is you get narrative events come up and you can publicly make announcements like to the press and say like we're going to get there first or sort of like oh they maybe shouldn't have acted so soon or you can praise them and be like oh this is amazing work by the other space agencies so sort of, sort of antagonizing more 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 cooperative with with the other agencies in the press is that something that would ever happen in real life oh yeah definitely <laughs> I mean, it's funny isn't it it's so um cliche but you know very often that happens around launch you know launch rocket yeah <laughs> symbol you know and you just see it the stuff that's coming out in the in the um you know from the us as well i'm just trying to keep my my language clean as i talk to <laughs> you know, it's all very phallic right it's all yeah. you know, get, the, get the rockets in space so you definitely see that competition but you do see um uh, much more collaborative activity as well so that's particularly the case when you think about the operating environment so you think about the safety of space um, so I often say, uh, you know, the analogy here would be like, you know, we use, people think space is vast, but actually the bits that we use the most are really quite contained. Um, the orbits around the earth, and they're a bit like ring roads around big cities. Um, but unlike, you know, roads, if you have a crash on the road, then you can, you know, clear the accident away and, you know, it's not great, but it's not, um, you know, doesn't bring long-term damage. Uh, if you have any of those kind of accidents in space, that debris is there forever, right? So you're impacting the operating environment for everyone. So you see some great initiative, not least within the industry themselves, actually, promoting really responsible use of space, um, making sure that the space environment is sustainable, uh, much in the same way that we talk about the sustainability of our own planet. So definitely there you see some really, really um, 
supportive behaviors, not just competitive behaviors. Mm-hmm. So in, 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 in the game, um, if you've got good relationships with another agency, then then they can approach you and say, you know, hey, how about we do this joint mission? And then, you know, you can either agree to the terms of that or not. Kind of in reality, how, how do agencies decide to work together? You know, what, what's the kind of, how, how does it all get kicked off? Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, isn't it? So, um, you know, agents and governments, so just to do a massively generalised statement, if government's spending money, they quite like to spend money within their own country and not in other countries, unless we're talking about aid. Um, so if you think about what that means for when countries come together in big international partnerships around space, what you tend to do is bring a capability. So um, in the UK, for instance, we're, we're brilliant at space communications. We're brilliant, brilliant at it. Um, so, you know, an example is we might want to bring that space communications capability. So that's kind of like us bringing something to the party. And that's generally how the collaboration works. So overall in the mission, you know, you need the kind of, um, uh, you know, there's so, so many different elements, aren't there? You know, if you think about going back to the moon, you need, you know, the lander, you need the kind of cargo transport vehicle that goes from the lunar gateway back to the moon service and back again, the kind of taxi shuttle, if you like. Um, You also need that habitation unit. You need uh, propulsion systems. So all these bits will come together. And normally there's a bit of a flag on each contribution. You know, think about a car. You know, someone's going to bring the wheels. Someone's going to bring the steering wheel. Someone's going to bring the seats. Someone's going to bring the brakes. You know, it's that kind of a structure. Yeah, yeah. And um so another another way that agencies can work together in the game is like um, adding their instruments to your missions payload or something like that. So like it's hitching a ride on like another agency's launch and satellite sort of things. Is that common in reality as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, that that does happen a lot, um, particularly when um, you're just kind of a you know a passenger on a bigger mission, if you like. So typically you might find some sort of science experiments that will just um piggyback on the back of a bigger mission what that tends to mean is it doesn't really have much control over time scales and things like that um and it might not be an optimal launch for that scientific experiment but it still gets it up in space and you know i think you quite often find um you know some really strong partnerships and really strong collaborations across the university sector um in that research so again that might be one reason why you're going to be able to piggyback that ride because there's going to be uh, mutual research communities, um, you know, depending on who's who's offering the ride and who's yeah. you know, piggyback. So, so we, we've seen a lot of stuff in the press, especially around, you know, SpaceX and some of the stuff they've done and this idea of, you know, trying to use Mars as a, a way of making humanity a multi-planetary species. Do you think that the interest in Mars and the missions going up to Mars and the potential of some, you know, a person going to Mars, do you think that's actually going to spur more nations to get involved in space and the nations that are to kind of get even deeper in it? Like, will, will it act as a catalyst for more space exploration, do you think? Yeah, I think inevitably it will. And, you know, partly that will be this sort of competition element. And and partly, you know, you really often see countries investing in space programs because they recognise, well, many different reasons, actually. But one of them is recognising that it's a very kind of inspiring vehicle for the take up of, um, you know, STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, math subjects more broadly. Um, so, you know, you see countries wanting to get involved in space, not just because of the destination, but also because of the kind of, um, you know, multiplying factor it has on drawing uh, the next generation 
transformation into these kind of highly skilled um, sectors. I think the other thing that's really interesting, which, um, you, you know, hits the news less regularly. Um, Exploration is really kind of vivid and dynamic and you can, you know, really get your head around it. Um, so I think the other thing that is going to have this, um, you know, real draw from space is not only the exploration efforts, but also the kind of data and information that we'll see coming back from those huge telescopes that are mounted in space, which are looking out for Earth-like planets. I think, you know, when we get that real tangible evidence that these Earth-like planets can exist, you know, in other solar systems, um, you know, that's really, really inspiring. And I think that will really um, spur on our space efforts as well. And, and then, as a kind of follow-on, we've we, and we've we've interviewed you know a few of your colleagues and other people from ESA and things like that. And one of the questions I'm always I'm always interested in is is what is your prediction for when you do think we'll see people on Mars? Uh, you know, it's a rough guess. I, I get there's lots of <laughs> factors weighing on it. We, we we won't hold you to it. We won't like demand that. that be the case, but, <laughs> but I'm interested to know when you think that may well be the case. Yeah, it's be next week. It's going to be next week. Can't wait. <laughs> No, I mean, it is a way off, right? It is a way off. So we've got this really ambitious target to get boots on the moon by 2024. Um, you know, we wouldn't be looking at getting to Mars, you know, I don't think sooner than the mid 30s. Okay, that's pretty good. That's uh, yeah, that, that, seems, that still seems soon to me. Like, given as long as I say, can see it. <laughs> yeah, when you say the moon 2024 and you're like, yeah, but that's only four years away. Like, yeah, that's not. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's coming your way soon. And, and do, did you have any thoughts on, you know, there was that, uh, I know it's not necessarily your sort of specialist area, but the, that recent sort of furore of fascinating news around the potential of signals of life on Venus? Ah, yes, yes. I think, um, you know, how interesting. Um, I, I would say that was met with a, a lot of scepticism from the uh, scientific community um, because I think what they observed was also a, a very common observation around volcanoes and things like that. Uh, you know, is the signs of life on Venus or is the kind of volcanic activity that we've probably already seen signs of to date? So, you know, it's exciting, but I don't, Think, I think even the authors of that paper called it out in the paper, but I think the media reporting picked up on the on the possibility of signs of life there. I mean, I think more broadly, it's fascinating, right? More broadly, it's fascinating. And I think um, something that I always find really interesting is actually our understanding of greenhouse gases was really enabled by our scientific study of Venus. You know, it was scientists way back looking at the atmosphere around Venus and what was happening to that planet that were able to deduct uh, this powerful effect of um, this powerful warming effect that greenhouse gases can have. And, and that was really what kind of mobilized us on our own planet to start thinking about this and start taking care of our own planet. So I think, you know, one step away from signs of life, but, you know, our study of Venus certainly helped our own life back on Earth. Yeah, it's interesting to see like how things we can learn in space can be applied to us on, on Earth. Um, and then just to, to wrap up the last question, um, so what positivity can we take from the work going on in space ex exploration for all humanity? Uh, the po simple. The positivity is that actually, you know, despite the fact day to day we read the news and we think there's all sorts of things that divide us, um, space unites us. It really does. It shows us the, the tiny place 
that we um, hold, you know, in the universe. It shows us that we really shouldn't be too concerned about, you know, border disputes and the things that divide us on Earth. Um, look back at the Earth from space and, you know, it can only have a, a, a kind of unifying effect. It gives you a warm glow. It's really great. Well, thank you so much, Alice, for your time. It's been an absolutely fascinating whistle-stop tour around diplomacy, life on other planets, uh, <laughs> sending ships to new new Earth-like planets. I mean, this is all why it's so utterly fascinating. And I say a positive uh, finish there and maybe guide some of our players as you're playing Mars Horizon, working together and unity is probably going to be your strongest approach um, working with the other agencies for the betterment yeah. of humankind. <laughs> Yeah, it's ni nice to hear that as well. It's slightly tangential, but but not completely unrelated. Is is I'm often asked, you know, especially by you know um, parents who like their their younger ones are interested in getting in video game development. They ask me, you know, what do they need? And I often, yeah, sure, STEM subjects are really helpful. Your maths and things like that is super helpful. But I also point to them, you know, it's it's that working together thing. It's so important. It's a team endeavor, and you need to be able to communicate well and work with your team with your colleague really well. And if, if you're, you know, that that's such an important part of what we do. And, and so it's nice to have other areas that echo that obviously in a much grander and more star. Kathy yeah, Sullivan, who's, you know, the amazing, amazing woman. And um, yeah, just the humility. She absolutely does that thing. You know, she says, yeah, I was the person that did the moonwalk, but actually all those people in the team, you know, take the credit for that. Uh, and they mean it, you know, it's sincere. It's that, that, that team spirit is very embedded. It's really nice. Dr. Alice Bunn. Wow. Bundle of energy. Uh, I got nothing, Thomas. Uh, no, fascinating. Full of fascinating stuff. I, I think as, you know, working on this project, one of the absolute joys of it has been that opportunity to, to you know, chat with people who work on this stuff for real. You know, that there's something so exciting about being a fan of, you know, space exploration, being interested in it, you know, and then being able to take that a level further by working on a game about it, and then being able to take that even further by talking to the people who do this for real. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a absolute one of the highlights of my career as a game developer to to be doing this work now, talking to these people now, being part of this game project now. So exciting. Totally. And a huge thank you to Alice for her time. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Um there was one particular analogy that um, Alice mentioned whereby if someone came to Earth from outer space and just landed on uh, in a desert somewhere and then kind of left with them thinking that that was, well, I've, I've seen Earth, I don't, you know, I can just, I can go back to what I was doing now. She made a great point in the conversation saying like, we've been to, we've been to the moon, but we've largely been to only one, one space. They go back to the same, same part of it. And there's so much there to learn, so much still there to, to discover. And it's those sorts of questions that when you think about it, I say, yeah, you know, we, we get so used to that footage to, as we said at the start of the episode, you get so used to what we know and what we've seen, but even just the moon alone, there's so much there still left to be discovered. And I love the idea too, that, you know, space is just this shared space. Like <laughs> there's no law out there. You know, it's, it's kind of this lawless environment that we just will eventually somehow, I don't know, put our stamp on it. And it kind of feels a bit like, well, what right do we have to do that? It's, it's, it's a strange, all these questions are kind of popping up now. And I just think, wow, there's, there's a lot of, lot of questions that are going to be answered soon. 
Yeah, well, I, I think, and as they're answered, more questions will be opened. I think that's the fascinating thing about space exploration. As we know more about our solar system and, you know, our kind of space, our, our place within, you know, the galaxy, within space itself, that opens up, you know, ethical, moral, legal, spiritual questions about, you know, who we are and our place in all this. And yeah, utterly fascinating, all of them. And, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in this area and so wanted to work on a game around you know mars exploration is I, i'm i'm if we find science if that exo mission mars going up uh in 2022 finds evidence of life on mars that you know how is that going to shift all of our perspectives how does that change things does it you know mm. what happens as a result of that so fascinating you know and that could be you know evidence of life past that could be evidence of life now and, and sure, we you know almost certainly if they find it talking microbial life, but it's still mind blowing. So yeah, all of this stuff completely fascinating and very very exciting to be part of. Talking about seismic events, um, I'm looking forward to the day when I receive a letter in the post, or better still, a, a generated email from the AA trying to sell me space insurance or something, or space space breakdown insurance. You know, if and when we get to that stage as a as a species, that would just absolutely blow my mind. That I think. Yeah, I mean, I take it you've seen 2001, the standard. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Brilliant, brilliant film. I, I think that's one of the things that film does that, uh, you know, it has that kind of sense of the awe and the, the power of space in the exploration they do, but also that, that scene when, you know, they're just travelling on a kind of Pan Am jet to the moon dead casually, and they've reduced space travel to something quite mundane like a commute. You know, that mm. that is both, it's really fascinating, and I think it's one of the powers of that film is that it has those both things. It has space exploration as wonder and awe and the unknown, but it has space as the mundane and the normal, uh, and, and both wrapped in the same film. So, yeah, it, it will be very fascinating at that point. Absolutely. Thomas, thanks for your time today. Much appreciated. Um, please do like, share, and review the podcast. It really, really helps us out. Uh, we love putting these things together, and we love engaging with you as, as listeners and putting stuff out there for you. Um, check out digital.com for updates blog posts everything is on there and of course Mars Horizon of the game uh, will have come out tomorrow or maybe in the past depending on when you're listening to this so we hope you're having a wonderful time playing it <laughs>